The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. Well, hey, you guys, my name is Emily Vansel, and if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, I just want to welcome you here. I'm excited, and hopefully I will have a chance to meet you on one of these times. But I am a member of the staff here at the Inn, and my specific role here really comes out of my experience when I was a student here at UW. That I was in a sorority, that was a huge part of my experience, and so now my job is a Greek ministry coordinator, so... I spend a lot of my time still in Greek houses and spending time with people that live in that specific population. Well, tonight I'm excited to talk with you guys um, because what we're talking about is really what I am most excited about in my job, my role here, and really what's at the heartbeat of everything that we do here at the Inn. Before I get to that, I want to tell you guys about an invitation that I accepted this past winter that I am stoked about. That it has been so fun, much more than I could, much more than I actually had any expectation for. This past January, you know, some of my coworkers were sitting in the in the UMIN office. If you haven't been, you have to come check it out sometime. Come come talk with us. Um, but some of my coworkers talking about what to do this winter, and it came up with the idea um, that maybe we would join a we would start a flag football team. We would join just you know co-ed rec league, <laughs> and we've got a picture to prove it. It couldn't have any other name besides your mom plays flag football. Yeah, Y-M-P-F-F for short. And so when we're out there in the stands, people are cheering for us. You know, it's just like, who's mom? mom. Yeah, that's right. You know how it goes. You know how it goes. Well, anyway, the invitation was kind of put out there. And I had, I had all these things in the back of my mind that were like, kind of, you know, they're kind of hesitations, doubts. I don't really know if I want to be a part of this. You know, I mean, after all, it is Seattle, it's winter, it's wet, and it's cold. And games are on Sundays, and I just don't know if I want to give up my Sunday afternoons to go be out in the wet and the cold. Second, yeah, I'm not quite so sure about that flag football thing. You know, I'm kind of worried that there's going to be some 250-pound center that's like, tackles me trying to grab my flag. You know, I'm just, I didn't necessarily want to get injured. Um, other reasons, it costs money, I don't know. You know, is it going to be worth the 65 or so dollars that it was going to cost for me to play? And then finally, you know, I think the, the GM and the coach, I don't think they necessarily considered this, but I really don't know that much about football. Don't tell anyone, it's kind of embarrassing. But I don't totally understand the game. I think the most experience that I have with it really is playing old school. I mean, old school Nintendo, like Tech Mobile, if any of you know what that is. I mean, there's like four plays, and there's just like numbers running through the field. Like, that was the extent of my football experience. So I didn't really know if I'd have anything to contribute on this team. However, a couple weeks ago, sitting there, you know, play, play was, it was about, you know, 20 yards from the goal line. I'm just camping right there in the zone, in touchdown zone. Quarterback, QB, Voy passes to me. First catch that I've made all season, touchdown! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was a highlight for me. And as you saw in the slide, we're undefeated, so it's kind of a big deal in Seattle sports right now. I mean, I know... Yeah, I know people are shedding tears over Griffey coming home, but, you know, we're just really excited about your mom plays football. Um, and speaking of invitations, hey, you guys are invited. We have some games coming up this next Sunday afternoon. We could potentially be in the championship, so we invite you. Invite you to come play or come cheer for your mom. You already know how to do it. 
Well, anyway, I want to talk tonight about another invitation that I've been given and that you've been given. And that is an invitation to be a participant in what God is doing among us and in this world. This talk, it's the second in a series that we're doing for four weeks um, about what the church is to be about. And therefore, why we do the things that we do around here at the inn. Now, I know when I say what the church is about, um, you either automatically think about Ryan Church, or you think about a building that has four walls and a roof. Maybe you kind of smell that like musty smell of the, the Bibles that are in the pews, or you know, maybe you hear the, the organ being played by the old lady. But you think about a building, or you think about a denomination, or you think about an organization. But really, according to Scripture, well, when we're talking about the church, we're agreeing with Scripture that the church is a community of people. It's just like us here. That is a people gathered. It's the people of God that have been called by God. So Ryan, last week, he talked about how part of being the community of believers is that we have places where we can gather and worship. Where we're going to take our eyes, excuse me, eyes off of ourselves, and we get to put them on God for who he is, regardless of what's going on in our lives. And Janie talked about the part of the DNA of the community um, of believers, the people of God, is that we would be just that, a community. That there'd be people in our lives where we could have honest, intimate relationships, where we could go to, and we could experience the power and the love of God through their presence in our life. Well, tonight, I'm going to talk about another aspect of our DNA as the people of God. And that is that we as a community of believers, we get to be participants in the work that God is doing. In the people around us. In the city that we live in. In the world that we are in. And if we're going to live into this and it's going to become a reality in our lives, there's three things that I think we need to understand. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. First, we need to understand the nature of that work. If we're going to participate in God's work, we kind of maybe, like me, need to know maybe a little bit about football. You know, we kind of maybe need to know a little bit about what God's work is like. Second, we need to know that we are personally invited. Like, it's not just this big, broad, like 5,000 people have been invited on Facebook, maybe you should come too. You know, not that personal, but that there's a personal invitation for us to be invited. And third, we have to understand that it's really not about us. But it's really about God's work and what he's doing. Before I go any farther, why don't you guys just bow your head and pray with me. Heavenly Father, um, I count it a privilege to be here and to be a part of this community. And I know that you shaped so much of who I am um, through this place and the people that I met in this place. And Lord, I thank you um, that we get to be here and that... um, Lord, that we get to participate in what you're doing. So I pray tonight, Lord, that you would really um, remove me from the picture, Lord, and that it really would be your words, that you would speak to our hearts individually and personally because you love us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. To start off, what? That's the question. What is the nature of that work that is God's? Well, it's relational. It's relational from the very, very get-go. From the very, very first play of the game, from the first book in the Bible, Genesis, all the way through the very end, Revelation, it's relational. It's a story about God who's, who's, who's constantly seeking to be in relationship with man, with the people that he loves. In the first chapter of John, it says, 
Which there should be a slide coming up. In the first chapter of John, there we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of love and faithfulness, unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The Word was God. This big, large and in charge God, creator of the universe, this big, large and God in charge God, he became one of us. He made our home his dwelling, that he might be with us. He identified with us by becoming like us to show us his love. I don't know about you guys, but in the relationships that are in my life, um, I know that when someone identifies with me, that really ends up communicating. It ends up communicating love. Like there's a real power in identification and in being in, you know, in solidarity with someone. And that's the nature of God's work. You know, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, maybe you guys have known similar stories of this, but it's, it's kind of like, um, like this little, this little guy. I heard this story one time. This little guy. Um, it's five years old, little boy. Um, and he finds out, his family finds out, um, kind of the unfortunate news that he has been diagnosed with cancer. And of course, that is going to be terrible news for anyone. Of course, the parents are going to do everything they can to provide him the treatment that he needs so that he can be well again. So they go through the treatment, and part of that treatment is going to end up being that he's going to lose, he's going to, he's going to lose his hair. And this little five-year-old guy, little toehead guy, you know, he's already pretty nervous about what's going on. He doesn't feel well. He can tell that mom and dad are worried, and it's a pretty scary time for him. You know, when he wakes up in the morning and starts to be that there's some hair left on his pillow and freaks him out a bit, and he's at school with kindergarten with his buddies, and they kind of notice that there's some hair falling it's kind of on his desk. Um, and it's just really disturbing, and it's, it's uncomfortable for him. And so his mom and his dad talk, and they decide what the best thing to do for him, but the most loving thing for him would be if they just, maybe they just went into a barber shop and they just kind of all at once just got his hair removed, his hair shaved off. So he wouldn't have to deal with kind of that daily, daily thing happening. And so, you know, they, they talked to the little guy about it and he's, you know, kind of understands and is like, yeah, that's, that, that, we should do that. That'd be good. And so father, son, they walk into the barber shop and, you know, the little guy, you can imagine, you can imagine that this is already totally traumatic. For him, um, so he's trying to be as courageous and bold as he can be, um, you know, pulling himself up. And his dad's with him, and you know, they walk in, and you know, the dad kind of looks at the chair and kind of nods that his his son would sit there, and so he does. And the barber comes up to him, you know, is like, what, "What's it going to be today, son?" And you know, the little boy, because this is hard, and he's trying to be brave. He looks up at him, and you know, his tears. He just got these. It's he's welled up right here, and these big alligator tears that are just about ready to just pour. You know, he just says, you can take it all off. So the barber looks at the father, and the father nods, and the barber, you know, of course, takes the razor and shaves the guy's, shaves the little guy's hair, and it's falling, you know, in, in the big chunks on the ground, and pretty soon he's all done, and he's, you know, brushing off, barber's brushing off all the extra hair, and the little guy gets up from his chair, puts his jacket on, and they're about to leave, and then the father... Um, before they leave, the father ends up, he just, he just goes ahead and he goes and sits down in that same chair. And the barber's like, oh, I didn't know you wanted to get your hair done as, I didn't know you wanted to get your hair cut as well too, or as well. You know, well, well sir, what's it going to be for you? 
And the father, kind of in the same same reaction of the little boy, just looks at his son, tears welling up there too. Again, the big alligator tears that are about to fall off. And he looks up at the barber and he says, I'll take the same. I'll take what he's got. And that that's an identification. That that's the heart of a father that says, I am with you. What you have going on in your life, I am with you in that. And that that is the very heart and the nature of God's work. I think when we think about God's work, maybe we think about a preacher preaching. We think about sharing our witness and being really bold in what we say. Maybe we think about the songs that we sing or we think about scripture and reading the Bible. All of which can be wonderful things. But they can be limiting. The work of God According to scripture, it's just the very thing that the heart of that father did. He said, I'm, I'm with you. I'm coming alongside you. I'm identifying with you. I'm going to allow you to come to me and know that you are accepted and loved. And we're going to be in this. We're going to be in this together. And we might have fun together as well with that. The work of God, simply having a genuine interest in the people of God. We never really want to underestimate the power of just simply coming along someone because that is exactly what God did. In Philippians 2.20, Paul is writing to the group of people in Philippi and he's saying that he's going to send someone to them. And he's going to send someone to them that he would do God's work with them and encourage them in their faith. And there's one reason why he sends Timothy, Paul says. And here's the reason. He says, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That there's this genuine interest. That that is in agreement with what God does. So why do we do things the way we do here at the inn? I don't know, you might wonder why you get a silly name tag. Might be in different colors tonight. Mine's in pink, um, which I was excited about. But um, we want to know your name. We do something like that because your name needs to be known. We might do things like a function, you know, having women's ministry gathered together, people from the Greek system gathered together, dorms gathered together, retreats. And really at these, at these functions, really what's most important, and we hope that they are as a context, for you to be known and for you to get to know one another and for us to get to know you. And then, and then there's one of my favorite parts of my job, is that just investing and getting to know you personally. I know that I love getting to go on coffee dates. Katie, who's in my core group, she saw me one day at Starbucks, and I was sitting there having coffee with someone, and she come over and she leans, she leans over at me, and she's like, Emily, you get around. Because <laughs> she's seen me at Starbucks multiple times having coffee with people. And that's part of what I love, is being able to be with you and hear what's going on in your life and be able to share what's going on in my life as well. Again, we never want to underestimate the power of just simply coming alongside someone, being a friend, being with them. Because, again, that is exactly what God did in the person of Jesus Christ. All right, so if we understand a little bit more about this relational ministry that God is about the next thing we need to know is, well, who's invited, right? I mean, who's invited? Who's this invitation to? And if we're going to participate, who's that invitation addressed to? Well, the answer to that question is that you are. <laughs> you and you and you and you and you and you back there, way back in the back. 
you are invited to participate in what God's doing. In the nature of what I just shared, in terms of coming alongside people and being with them, and so communicating God's love. In John 15, 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Do you know how exciting that is to be a part of something that will last? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, I want my life to matter and to count for something. I want to leave a legacy. And here, God is saying, Jesus is saying, man, I have appointed you that you will do that very thing. That you will be a part of something that will last, that will be significant. Well, I don't know about you, but I know for me, there's things that hold me back from really believing that me, Emily Vansel, like really, just me personally, that I've been invited. I have a hard time receiving that from myself personally at times. I still do. I have and I still do. You know, part of my life is that I had the opportunity, part of my upbringing was in my family, we were, we were really involved, my parents were really involved in Young Life ministry. If you guys, I don't know how, how many of you are familiar with Young Life. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's so much fun. But it's a great ministry that reaches out to high school kids, junior high kids, and it's really about just you know, being on a level with them, going where they're at, and then that's the same thing, just communicating God's love by being with them. Well, what I saw in my mind was kind of this ideal Young Life leader. And I started to create this idea that in order to participate in what God's doing, in order to really be used by him, I had to be like this ideal young life leader. And this ideal young life leader is like the coolest kid that's in your school, right? I mean, they're good looking, they're funny, they're articulate. They're the kind of people that walk in the room and it's like, whoosh, you know, just like people are gravitated to him, towards them. And you know, just things just happen around him. So in my mind, I started to think that that's what I had to be in order to be a participant in what God was doing. So I looked at myself and it was like, man, I just, I got to be those things. Okay, I'm going to try hard. Man, I'm going to put my best foot forward and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing. So I did that and as any time it is that we try to do something that we're not, we just end up getting exhausted, right? We get tired. So that's kind of what happened to me. I kind of just burnt out and it was like, man, I guess, therefore, I can't be used by God. I'm not those things. That's what it looks like to be, the, to be used by God. I'm not those things. So I just got discouraged. And for me, I felt like I had the heart to be used. But then I was like, thanks, thanks God. You didn't give me any of the gifts that would actually make a difference. I know that, sound, that might sound silly, but that's definitely, totally what was going through my mind. My question is, what's it for you? I know that's not going to be the story for all of you. But there might be pieces of that that you relate to. But what would keep you from knowing that the invitation has your name on it? Maybe it is that you think you need to be a certain kind of person, like I did. Or maybe it's that you're kind of sitting there and your relationship with, the, with God right now is kind of, just, kind of just like leveled out right there. And the reason why you don't want to just take it to the next level, the reason why you wouldn't say, yeah, I'm going to own this invitation, I'm going to get serious about this, because there's this big fear that, man, I don't really know about that. And I don't know if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to give up some things in my life that I think are really fun. I'm going to give up some of this freedom that I have. Maybe to make some, some choices. Maybe to do some of the things that I like to do. And I don't, I don't really know if I want to do that. Maybe you're thinking more about what there is to lose 
than what there is to gain. Maybe it's that you're, and this is a big one. I think this is a really big one. Maybe it's that you're living with this mindset of, man, shoot. Yeah, I would do that. I would see that this invitation's for me, but, you know, I don't think I can participate until I get the sin out of my life. Until I get the sin under control, figure out what to do with that. Hmm, God can't use me. I have no place to be used by God. Maybe that's what's going through your mind. And to be honest with you, just as, you know, to be candid, man, if that were the case, if I had to have all the sin out of my life in order to do what God has called me to do, I tell you right now, I wouldn't be here, nor would any of the other people that are on staff or the interns. If we had to have things figured out before we were able to participate, man, we wouldn't be able to. Man, if my motives had to be 100% pure, no way. See you later. I'll stay on the bench because I know that that's not going to happen. So thank God. Man, I just get it. I am so grateful that God does not require perfection out of me before I get to participate in what he's doing. One of the things about, about here at University Ministries um, is that we are totally stoked about the fact that God can use you. We never are under the assumption that it is going to be about us and about what we can do and about what the interns can do. Man, we really believe, I really believe that if God is going to do anything, there's going to be a movement of his love on the campuses that you guys live in, in this city and in this world. It is going to be because you guys are owning and believing that God is in you and that he can use you and that you step out in that. So one of our absolute joys is to be able to come alongside you and help you discover how God would use you. And to reassure you that, yes, God can. He can, in fact, use you. Now, I want to take a second, um, and I apologize for those who this doesn't include, but um, I just want to take a second to talk about kind of my specific role with Greek students. Now, happen, this is crazy. This is actually really weird. But I actually really love the Greek system. Which, <laughs> of all things... To love. Why is that one of my passions? I don't know. But still, I'm a few years out, few, few years out, and I still am like, yes, go Greek. I mean, the reason for that is, is because I just really think, and this actually does go for every living situation, especially on college campuses, that in the context of a sorority fraternity, it, there is such an opportunity just for authentic, real relationships to be built. And that there is no program that could come into a Greek house that would be able to communicate God's love. And that it's purely through people who are willing to say, man, I love the Lord and I love my sorority brother, sorority sisters and fraternity. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Some gender confusion. Um, <laughs> People that are in their houses that can say, I love the Lord and I want to I step towards him more and more in my life. And I love the people that I live with. And I want to see that being in my house could be an opportunity for me to grow and an opportunity for me to come alongside others in a genuine way, in a non-churchy way, right? In, in a way that's just because you're my, my roommate this quarter that I get to know you and get to know what's going on in your life. So I am absolutely excited about encouraging those who are living in the Greek system to really own into that 
and to take that and to make that something that has more significance than just the four years of living there and having a roof over your head. What we've done this, this past year is we've started something called being a chapter leader. So if those, those things were about you, that you love the Lord, or you want to, you know, you're pursuing a relationship with Christ, and that you also love your sorority, bro- sorority sisters, I don't know why that keeps happening, sorority sisters, fraternity brothers, that's what being a chapter leader is all about. And that you can do it in the context of a community, because if there's one thing I've known about the Greek system um, for my four years and now my three years on staff, if there's not a community and a team around you, it is really, really, really hard to, can, to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And it's even harder to have your time in your house be a, be a time for you to make an impact um, with the Lord. If you don't have a sense of community and being in it with other people that are like-minded. So anyway, that was my little Greek plug. If that's you, come talk with me or Jordan, who's an intern, the Greek table um, after the end. Well, again, just the question of what's holding you back? And what would be a first step? I think sometimes we just need someone to tell us a first step. So the first step for you tonight is just to ask the question, God, where are you at work? Maybe with an open mind of willingness to know that you could be used. Second, to talk to someone about it. Talk to one of us on staff. Talk to a friend. And talk with them about that very topic. Maybe you can leave here tonight and you can find someone and you can say, hey, what do you think? Where might, where might I be used by God for his love and for his work here in this world? All right, point three. We've talked about the work being totally relational. Not about, not about program, but about people. We've talked about it being something that you and you and you and you and me are invited and appointed to do. Next, just a reminder Really, it's a reminder of whose work it is. And that it's God's work. And that we are simply vessels. It's about us, right? And the invitation that's personally to us. But it's not about us. I hate to break it to you. It's not about us. We kind of want things to be about us all the time. But this one, it's not about us and about what we can do. But what really matters, what really makes a lasting difference, is that it's the Spirit of God that's living in us, that's doing His thing. That's loving loving people around us, through us, in a greater capacity than we ever could. John 15, 4 through 5, says, Remain in me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, by the way, before he went to the cross. These unlikely characters that were his disciples, fishermen and tax collectors and, and the like. And this is what he says to them. He says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man, woman, remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the final instructions here to remain in the Lord. Remain in Jesus because it's him that's in you that will be working through you and in you. When I talked with the in-speaking team about this, I thought they just articulated this in an interesting way, and I wanted to share that with you, of just saying, you cannot produce, or you cannot manufacture God working through you. It's not something that you can just decide to do or try hard to do, but you are a vessel. Well, to close, I want to share with you guys a story about a time um, where I got to be a vessel 
of God communicating his love to someone who was a good friend of mine, is a good friend of mine still, to this day. And it was a really, in a really insignificant way, in my opinion, yet made a difference to her. And it ended up being about something much more, bigger, much bigger than what I could have ever imagined. What was the fall? It was the fall of my senior year here at UW, which was a good year. It's getting ready to graduate, get done with classes, you know, all that jazz. Um, and there was a fall retreat that I went on with the inn. And my friend, my good friend Emily, she happened to be named Emily too, so it was really confusing. You know, we'd walk across campus together and people loved the joke of, hey, Emily. And we'd both be like, oh, hey, huh, got us. Who are you talking to? So me and my friend Emily, we were at this retreat at the inn. I'm with the inn. Um, the speaker, one of the night's speaker, had given a message and had given us some time to go off and just to reflect on our own. And so people just kind of spread out across the room. You know, it was a really big room, and people spread out. And so I would be like the, the people back here against the wall, where I just, I went to one of the walls, and I was leaning up against the wall. And my good friend Emily, she was, you know, maybe just like 15 feet away from me, kind of leaning against the wall as well. And as I was sitting there, I don't actually remember anything that the speaker said, which gives me a lot of encouragement right now. But... <laughs> Um, I don't remember what the speaker said um, or what I was supposed to be reflecting on, but um, I do know that for whatever reason, I all of a sudden felt like I just needed to go up to my friend Emily, who was sitting there also against the wall, and I just needed to go sit next to her, and I needed to put my hand, just reach out and put my hand on her back. Kind of random, right? Weird, right? So, of course, that was what was going through my mind of like, why would I do that? Why do I feel like I need to do that? Okay, that's kind of weird. Whatever. Okay, go back to what I'm supposed to be reflecting on. Da, da, da. And then it would be like, okay, I still feel like I need to go sit next to my friend Emily and go put my hand on her back. I think this is stupid. I feel foolish. She doesn't even look like she needs comfort. You know, sometimes if someone is like weeping, then you can be like, you know, <laughs> it's okay. That wasn't the case. She looked like she was totally fine. She just was leaning forward and had her eyes closed. She was probably praying. Um, anyway, I was like, well, how is she going to respond? That's kind of weird. So anyway, I still, after debating with myself for a while, I was like, finally, okay, whatever. I'll just get up and I'll just do it. So I took that step. I just took that first step. I was like, all right, here we go. Still, I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. This seems really weird. Whatever. So I went and I sat next to her and I did just that. I just put my hand on her back and just sat there. She didn't look up. Um, we didn't, I didn't say anything. We just sat there. <laughs> um, and after a while, I'm not sure how much time went by, when producing the speaker kind of interrupted the silence and gathered everybody to come back together and find our seats. And, and as we got up and we're kind of making our way to our chairs, Emily looks at me and she just says, Thanks. And I was like, sure. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know? And she was like, actually, that was really cool. She was like, I was praying, and I just was kind of telling God that I was frustrated because I just felt so distant. I felt like he was so far away, and I was just kind of grappling with where did God go? And where am I? What's going on? She said, as soon as you sat down next to me and put your hand on me, I just... I felt like the Lord whispered to me, I am here, and I am with you. 
She was like, so that was really cool. Man, that spoke to me. And I thought, man, that was a small, in my understanding, that was a small, insignificant thing. I mean, any of us. That didn't have wise words of wisdom. That was redundant. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But I just sat there. I just put my hand on her back. And God was able to take that really small and insignificant thing in my understanding and he was able to just, I mean, just expand it. He was able to communicate to her heart a truth about him and his love for her in a way that, man, I couldn't have done that. And that's what it's like. That we get to be a vessel of God doing these huge, amazing things that will last through us. And that is what is, that's exciting. So tonight, individually and as a community, may we know that we are invited to participate in God's work in this world. First, may we know that God has come among us. That just like my friend, that God has come and sat right next to us. That God has put his hand right on our backs. And he said the same thing of I am here and I am with you. May we know that for ourselves and as a community tonight. And may we have the opportunity, much like I now feel about your mom plays flag football. I mean, you can tell how excited I am about your mom plays flag football, right? So fun to be part of this team, and I had no idea. I thought I was only thinking about what it was going to cost me and and giving up my Sunday afternoons. I had no idea that it was going to just be this blast something I'd be looking forward to. May we have the same opportunity when it comes to participating in what God's doing. May we, when we accept that invitation, may we get to be part of things that are so much more exciting than we would have ever thought and that we wouldn't end up looking at what it cost us, what we gave up, but we would just be so excited that we got to be a part of it. And finally, may we remain in him. May we continue to keep our eyes on Jesus remaining in his love, knowing that it's him who works, lives and works within us, for us and for the people around us. We are invited to participate. You and I are invited to participate in God's redeeming and transformational love in this world. Why don't you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, it is exciting Lord, that you, get to, you include us in what you're doing in this world. Lord, and it's humbling to know that your work, though we might think that it's all about how big we can make ourselves and how great we can make ourselves, that and your work was just to become low, to come alongside of us and to whisper in our ears that you're here. Lord, I thank you that we can take comfort in that tonight in this very place, that you are here and that you are with us and that you've given us each other, that that we could be ministered to, Lord, and that we could minister to those around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.